0: Good morning everyone once again. Uh, For those of you who may have missed uh, my introduction yesterday morning, my name is Garabo Murule and I am the MC for the plenary sessions. So uh, the posts in the app um, give a bit of a sense of what happened after the close of the sessions for day one. I see that some colleagues um, had great sundowners here in the CTICC precinct while waiting for the traffic to subside. And then you get the Shimmy Beach Club posts um, with some incredible highlights. So uh, there were some face paintings. I saw some that actually resembled Mike Tyson's tattoo that were very, very interesting yesterday. Uh, There was a photo booth, um, and it was really a fantastic setting. So congratulations again to the um, Arturial Society's uh, convention team for arranging that because it was a really beautiful setting and a wonderful evening. Um, I was kind of disappointed that no one in the awkward of actuaries danced at all. Um, but I guess that has some upside because that means that fortunately there were no Vosha acquired injuries, which is really great. And uh, Jean um I think I have to retract my hating from yesterday because I used your collective noun for actuaries this morning. And for those who don't know what a washer is, I'll try to post a post of it um, sometime during the day in the activity stream in the app. This morning's plenary session includes the prizes for research, the Actuarial Society's awards, the Green Exhibitor Award, and of course our president's address. So let me hand over to Peter um, to announce the award winners.
1: So the awards for the top academic achievers was instituted in 2010 as part of the South African Actuarial Qualification System. The awards are made in respect of each of the specialist application subjects provided that there is a candidate who has performed well enough. Could I ask the winners to make their, sta- their name, make their way to the stage when I call their name? And I would ask you to hold your applause until the end of the announcement when the awards are handed over. In subject F201 for healthcare, Ilza de Villiers from Discovery. In subject F202 from Life Assurance, Francois Stradum, from Discovery. This is getting to be a little bit of a habit. F203, general insurance, Christine Forbes from Discovery Insure. Pensions and other benefits, Elkia Maber, from Discovery. And F206 from banking, Jan Harm Pretorius. Could I ask those winners to come down here so we can hand over their prizes to them? The research committee is responsible for awarding the various research prizes offered by the Actual Society. This year, six papers were considered for research prizes. Before I start, I have been asked by the research committee, or the chair of the research committee, to extend a special word of thanks to two of the members who have resigned from the committee in 2018 for their service, to Rob Dorrington, Professor Dorrington, as we all know, is one of the doyens of research in South Africa in the actuarial profession. He was a voice of reason, provided sage advice and an active member of the committee from the start till the end of his tenure. I know that he will challenge young, budding researchers and continue in his niche of demographic research. Stephen Burgess, Stephen provided enormous support and tirelessly ran the adjudication of research prizes from 2011 for the committee. I know that Stephen sets high standards and has left his mark on the committee. Let me turn now to awarding the various research prizes. First, the Swiss Re prize for best paper and the RGI prize for the best convention paper in 2018. Um, can I ask when I finish the citation for Taste Nivot and uh, chart is to come to the table to award the prize? The prize is awarded to the same uh, winner. The Swiss Re prize for the best paper on risk and reinsurance is awarded to a meritorious paper on the reinsurance generally or to a paper on the assessment, modeling, and quantification of either life or non-life risks. This year, there were two meritorious papers that were considered in terms of this definition. The adjudication panel decided to award this prize and the RGA prize for the best paper to Ronald Richmond for his paper entitled AI in Actuarial Science. The primary aim of the paper was to investigate how the rapid advances in artificial intelligence and machine learning could potentially be integrated by actuaries working in the industry. The author provided the reader with a thorough survey of emerging applications in IA in Actuarial Science. The paper importantly allows the reader with access to a GitHub repository In this repository, code is provided on the mortality modeling, claims reserving, and non-life pricing examples in the paper. This is an an excellent example of replication in research. The committee believes that this paper deserves the prizes due to the forward-looking outlook that the author advocates in how actuaries could integrate deep learning into their day-to-day work, especially when doing the assessment, modeling, and quantification of both life and non-life risks. The committee would like to encourage the author to take their work forward and publish their work in a suitable academic journals. Can I ask that Chart and Taste come to present the prize for us? Thank you, Ronald. Turning now to the RGA Prize for the Best First Time Paper in twenty eighteen. The LGA Prize for the Best First Time Authors is awarded to Peter Carswell, Ross Farnby and Nikara Nigrin apologies if I spelt as pronounced names wrong, for their paper entitled An Investigation of the Hierarchy of Simplifications for Risk Margins in the Solvency and Assessment and Management Framework. This convention paper assesses the appropriateness of simplifications to the full calculation as required by the South African insurers in the solvency assessment and management framework. These simplifications were considered for a variety of products, including annuity and credit life products. The adjudication panel felt that this paper was incredibly important for smaller life insurance companies. The panel further believes that this paper will allow practitioners in the life insurance industry to be aware of the biases that will be introduced in the risk margin by using simpler methods rather than the computationally intensive full calculation. Can I ask the winners to come forward to receive a prize? (laughs) <laughs> Turning now to the RGA Prize for the Best Published Research in 2017. The Research Committee is responsible for awarding the various research prizes offered by the Actual Society, including this prize for the best published research. This year there were three research papers eligible for this prize. The committee decided to award the prize to Lee Johnson and Rob Dorrington and their co-authors for their paper entitled Estimating the Impact of Antiretroviral Treatment on Adult Mortality Trends in South Africa, a mathematical modeling study, boy the title's difficult enough. <laughs> in this paper, the authors formally evaluated how much of the substantial reduction observed in adult mortality in South Africa since the mid-2000s could be attributed to the scale up of antiretroviral treatment. The authors developed a deterministic mathematical model to simulate the trends in mortality in the absence of ART and with earlier introduction of ART. The authors concluded that ART had a dramatic impact on adult mortality in South Africa but the delays in the rollout of ART may have contributed to substantial loss of life. The committee found that the authors applied an impressive level of rigor to the development of their model. The committee further agreed with the authors that this paper could be very valuable in the quantification of the return on the massive public health investment for funders of ART programs in terms of life years saved. The research paper Throughput in the Actuarial Science Program a microcosm of the profession's transformation challenged by Dave Strugnell and Shivani Ranchod was also a strong contender for the prize. The primary aim of that paper is to investigate how certain demographic and educational factors exert a significant influence on the throughput rates experienced in South African uh, it's experienced in Actuarial Science program at the University of Cape Town. The authors employed survival analysis to examine the effect of these factors on these throughput rates. The authors found that the results contextualized the huge transformation challenge facing the South African actuarial profession. The authors considered how some of the features of the educational landscape might have the power to overcome this challenge. The article is not too technical in nature. The arguments, methodology, and results are well presented, resulting in a well-written paper and a paper that the committee feels that all actuaries can benefit from reading. The committee would like to congratulate the uh, Rob Dorrington and, lost the name, and Lee Johnson for the prize-winning paper, as well as all the authors who submitted papers for consideration. Could I ask Rob and Lee to come and receive their award? I've been informed that they're not here to receive their award, so we'll leave it at that. The last re- award is the Discovery Prize for the Best Honors Project and an accredited South African University Actuarial Program in 2017. The citation reads, the research committee is responsible for awarding these prizes, including the discovery prize for the best honors project at a South African University. It is with pleasure that the committee can announce that the 2017 prize has been awarded to Reino Willem Mostert from the University of Stellenbosch for his paper entitled Celebrating the Merton Jump Diffusion Stochastic Process Using Artificial Neural Networks. It's getting tougher and tougher. This paper proposes the use of artificial neural networks as an alternative method to calibrate a stochastic process. Stochastic processes are known to be applied to many time series related data sets. And practitioners are particularly concerned with the calibration of stochastic processes to real world data sets. The author concluded a simulation study on the Merton-Jump diffusion process and compared to the performance of artificial neural network models to traditional calibration methods, such as maximum likelihood estimation and generalized method of moments. The author proposed ANN architectures in his paper, and the paper found that the ANN architecture was able to yield acceptable parameter estimates within realistic parameter bounds. The paper further found that ANN displayed the ability to learn the calibration function without the need to derive the likelihood function. The committee found the paper interesting to read and believes that the ANN architecture proposed in the paper will help practitioners deal with the calibration of more complicated uh, stochastic processes to real-world time series-related data sets. Congratulations to Rainer William Mostert for his paper. Lastly, the committee wishes to make special mention of another honours paper that impressed the committee, the analysis of systemic risk in banking networks by Damon Munday from the University of Pretoria. Damon's research paper highlighted how various network structures can be appropriate representations of modern-day banking networks. The paper in particular considered the systemic risk measures as a possible as a possible systemic risk measure for identifying symmetrically important financial institutions, systemically important financial institutions. The risk for eight of South Africa's major banks was calculated and showed that Standard Bank is the most systemically important bank in South Africa. The committee commend the author on a thorough investigation and interrogation of the research results. The committee would like to congratulate all the authors for their excellent papers and high quality of research produced. We would also like to encourage them to mold their work and publish their work in academic journals, and we wish them every success with their future studies. Congratulations. (laughs) Let me turn now to the Green Exhibitor Award. I think I must have talked a little bit too much last night because my voice is beginning to go. (laughs) The Actuarial Society's Green Exhibitor Award was initiated in 2014 to encourage convention exhibitors to consider sustainability in their stand strategy and design. The winner receives a trophy, as well as a complimentary exhibit stand in a prime position in the following year. Over the years, as an awareness of the award has grown, so has the competitive spirit. Honorable mentions go to Hanover Ree for using a lift Cub to bring their ex- exhibition team to the K- CTICC, to Munich Re for reusing their stand and donating what they would have spent on a new stand to charity, and to RGA for deciding against giveaways, thereby reducing shipping carbon miles and packaging waste. But our 2018 winners has taken sust- the sustainability brief to heart. It was clearly part of their strategy from the start. Our winner has been a consistent exhibitor at the convention since 2011. They are familiar faces with the exhibition floor and regularly give away some of the most coveted and useful stationery. Their stand design, they embrace sustainability concepts, such as keeping resources in use for as long as possible, extracting the maximum value from them while in use, and then recovering and regenerating used products and materials at the end of each service life. They reuse their stand dressing, including tablecloths and backdrops, simply updating with a new decor. They are now committing to running down their giveaway stock 100% before ordering new. They are committed to out- community source products headed by Liddell Reader, including what you've seen on their stand, honey produced at the Kirby Farm, at Nightjar Nature Reserve, biscuits based by Omar Madeleine. And potted speckwormer from the Huretz Cluster Biosphere Reserve. Winners in 2016, this company has continued to up their sustainability, ga- sustainability game. Congratulations to SA3. Wilhelm De Wett and Henda Pretorius, please join me on stage to collect your trophy. everyone will visit their stand in the Exhibition Hall. Thank you to the judging panel for the Green Exhibitor Award being Joe Kutsia from the Actual Society, Arnolette Fricks from the CTICC, Justin Horse from the Event Greening Forum, and Keith Burton from African Agenda. I would like to have one more thank you before I do uh, two more of the, uh, the awards that I have to do this morning. And that thank you goes to the organizing committee of the convention. Uh, I think they have done an outstanding job, and I'm not going to call the entire organizing committee to the front to just say a word of thanks and to receive our thanks, but I'm going to call Guy to come up as the chairman. He's done a great job once again, and uh, this is his last year. He is stepping down from the convention organizing committee, and I want to thank him for a great convention again and for his years of service on this committee. Thank you, Guy. I now turn towards another prize, probably the prize that is the nicest one to award, being the President's Award, because you have complete discretion. Nobody can gainsay you, you can do what you want and what you wish with it. The award was made first in 1992, and originally was focused on encouraging members, particularly younger members, to produce papers for discussions at meetings of the society. With the introduction of prizes for papers at convention, the focus of the award has changed to recognizing excellent service to the profession and the work of members that have assisted in furthering the cause of the profession. The award is made entirely at the president's discretion. The individual I have chosen to award this year has served the profession extensively in the education field and has also served a term on council as a recently qualified member. The individual's achievements in this space include 13 lecture, years of lecturing at the university, with five of those as a head of department, including mentorship of many of the students. A member of the ASA Education Board from 2009 to 2014, a member of the local qualification task team in 2006 and 2007, and the principal examiner for one of the fellowship subjects for five years. However, it is for their contribution to transformation within the profession that is my main motivation for making this award. I do not think that we would have made some of the progress in the profession that we have without this individual's courage and boldness in holding up the mirror to the profession and issuing a bold challenge to us. This has, in my humble opinion, helped to open the dialogue on transformation more than we may have without their contribution. In addition, they give of their time and effort in support of the academy initiatives in mentorship and training in exam techniques. I therefore have great pleasure in awarding the President's Award for 2018 to Shivani Ranshod for her contribution to two key asset strategic objectives of education and transformation. Now, I hope Shivadi is here. (laughs) Unfortunately, she is not here at the moment, so I will have to hand it over to her later. Um, one of the risks, obviously, of when you make awards where people don't know that they're coming. Fortunately, with the next award, I do know that the person is president. Sorry, is present, not president. I'm president. <laughs> <laughs> the Murray Medal is the most prodigious honor that the Actuarial Society can bestow on one of its members. Consideration of making the award takes place annually, although the award does not have to be made on an annual basis. It was first made in 1972, and has been made 16 times since then to 17 recipients. The main reason for making the award is outstanding service to the actuarial profession. A panel comprising council members and a group of past presidents and previous winners of the medal agreed unanimously to make the award this year. The motivation is the recipient's contribution within the actual society in general, and their contribution in respect of research and education within the society, and their contribution to enhancing the profile of the society internationally, all of which are strategic initiatives of the society. What follows is a summary of the recipients' activities. If I were to deal with all that they have done in detail, we would be here for an extensive period of time. In terms of service to the society, the recipient has in their career served on council, the retirement matters, investments, and ERM practice area committees, and the CSI committee. In international actuarial association matters, the recipient has served as a member of the IAA's AFIA and ERM committee, and a co-vice chair of the resource and environmental working group. Through their contribution to the soci- through their contribution, the society's standing internationally has been greatly enhanced, in an emerging area of actuarial practice. It is however in their academic involvement that their contribution to the society has been greatest. This includes the following. The development of a stochastic investment model for South Africa, serving on the research committee from 1999 to 2014 in the roles of member, secretary and convener at various stages over time establishing the South African Actuarial Journal and serving as editor from 1999 to 2014. Guidance to students, including teaching, and particularly in supervision of honors and postgraduate theses, dissertations, and research reports. Enhancing the society's standing by serving on editorial panels of Interalia, the Australian Actuarial Journal, and the UK Annals of Actuarial Science. In addition, he refereed papers for various international journals, including the British Actuarial Journal, Orion, Journal of Actuarial Practice, Aston Bulletin, and Annals of Actuarial Science. He has published 17 articles in the refereed journals and has multiple awards for papers presented at conventions. I have great pleasure in calling Rob Thompson to come to the stage to receive the Murray Medal. Lastly, I need to move on to the announcement of council members. There was an election. And let me start by just announcing the the outcome of the election. For fellow members, there were two places and four candidates, if I remember correctly. And Janine Wilson and Sirika Besser, I think I've got it right there, have been elected for a new new qualifier. Uh, Stephanie De Silva was elected out of two. And out of the student representative, I think there were five candidates. It is to be Koleka Ndluli. So congratulations to those for reaching council. So I now ask if we could put up the slide that shows the new council for next year. I want to uh, thank those who are leaving In John Anderson and Varesh Maharaj, highlighted in red, thank you for your service to the profession as members of council. Janine Wilson also sort of slips off and slips on because she was a recent qualifier representative and now becomes a full member representative. And uh, Leroy Alcock has been the student representative for the last uh, year. And so thank you to Leroy for your service as well. So with that, I am going to hand over to Roseanne Harris to come and talk about the IAA Colloquium next year.
2: Okay, so just to be clear, I'm wearing my IAA hat. Vim made me do this. (laughs) So next April, we are hosting the um, International Actuarial Association Colloquium here in Cape Town. Um, The overarching theme, if I can just go forward, of the colloquium is the modern actuary, challenge, influence, and lead. So this is about looking at the expanding areas of actuarial practice and how we can continue to lead in our fields. So what this colloquium is about is hosting these meetings of the various sections of the International Actuarial Association and it's quite a few sections that are going to be involved so Aston which is the short term insurance IHS which is the health section the life section the consulting actuaries and the um, pension section and since we're having this event from the 2nd to the 5th of April next year We're going to be merging the usual ASSA one-day events in with this event. So you won't have the the one-day events that you normally see with technical content during the year. It will all be happening at this event. So the program is going to run over four days. Um, But as you see from this slide, hopefully, it is organized according to theme. So you can register actually according to the theme, the the, the, area of discipline that you want to attend. So for example, if you're just attending um, health section, you can uh, uh, register for the third to the fifth and not for the whole colloquium. And if you just want to attend the pension seminar, you can register for just the one day. Um so there's an early bird offer in terms of registration which runs up until uh, the end of this year to so the thirty first of December. Um but for the seminars the there's no early bird, it's the same price whenever you register, but it's specifically targeted at the um at the ASA members. So, um, so please have a look at the the website and and take this opportunity to, um, to be part of this because I think it's an excellent opportunity for us to first of all showcase the work that we are doing here in South Africa but also an opportunity for you to participate in the normal um, technical content or get access to the technical content that you normally see in the one day events, but with the added benefit of networking and getting some exposure to developments in the um, international space in terms of your um, area of practice. You'll see, of course, that that we also have a social program and um, I think the, the South Africans are well renowned internationally for our social program that accompanies these events. So there is a gala dinner and there are tours and um, and these all promise to be um, fabulous and the international delegates are looking forward to them too so please take the opportunity to participate in those if you are registering for um, for the colloquium in terms of the um, the content the the technical um, program committee has received 121 abstracts to date which they are working through so it promises to have Um, Really stimulating um, content. We've also lined up already some fairly challenging speakers um, And we're working on uh, a more diverse and challenging range of speakers as well who are going to make us think about How we're doing what we're doing and um, and hopefully also highlight some of the excellent work that's happening here in South Africa So there's various sponsorship um, opportunities available still so please liaise with them um, the, well, there's the members of the organizing committee, but probably the best plan is to go to the stand and the exhibition hall if you're interested in, um, in sponsoring this event. And I just want to highlight, there's the website, and um, it is quite a challenge typing that website in. Please note there is a U on both sides of the I in Colloquium 2019, and, um, and you will find the online registration um, there and further information on the colloquium. So we'll see you back here in April for the colloquium. Sure, I'm glad to take the hat off now. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Roseanne. I think that um, we need to recognize that, uh, that, that we have wilded the world once before in 2010, and even once before that when we hosted a health colloquium. So. Uh, Let's wow the world again and have a good representation here to showcase South African actuaries in this space. I'm now calling on the, uh, I thought I saw them a moment ago, um, on Chris and Paul uh, of Paper Video. Following the 2012 convention where problems in quality of high school education were featured, we established the Actuarial Education Trust that raises money to support maths and science teaching in disadvantaged schools. Thanks to the generous support of members of the society as well as corporations working with our partner Paper Video, we have assisted school children across the country. During the 2015 convention in Johannesburg, Chris and Paul, the founders of Paper Video, were invited to the convention stage to introduce their product to to us. We now invite them back together with Mike McDougall the chairman of the Education Trust, to provide feedback on what we've done and the developments in our partnership.
3: Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Paul, and I am the mathematics teacher at Paper Video. And it is my uh, great pleasure this morning to share with you, the ASA members, how our partnership with ASA over the last four plus years has enabled us to continue our mission of creating educational resources that make it possible for every student in South Africa, irrespective of their circumstances, to gain easy and instant access to a teacher. At uh, Paper Video we started uh, our pilot in 2014, then we established ourselves in 2015. And I will start this morning by briefly showing you the resources that we started creating, but how our partnership with ASA and Corporate South Africa has enabled us to expand beyond what we uh, first uh, imagined we would be doing. So some of you may recognize what we have over here today, a couple of years ago in Johannesburg Uh, We showed this resource here, and for those of you who don't know what the paper video resource is all about, we create exam books in which each and every question is linked to a solution video, which enables learners to uh, do the following. If I find myself struggling with a particular question, I simply go to the paper video app, I scan, and a video of a teacher who needs a haircut will pop up on the phone showing me how to go through the various questions. This was what took up our time in 2015 and 2016, expanding this throughout grade eight to 12 for the subjects of mathematics, physical sciences, life sciences, which is the new fandangled word for biology and accounting. But as you can well imagine, While a large amount of the feedback was massively positive in terms of the ability to get the particular video that you want when you are struggling with a question, some very interesting feedback that we got was that learners wanted more. They wanted more depth. They wanted people, they wanted the ability to go into a topic. So while they said that it was fantastic to have a video for an individual question, they then shared with us that they wanted a video that would then go deeply into the concept. I remember one of the feedback was, You keep talking about these quadratic equations, Mr. Marie, but then you talk about factorizing a quadratic trinomial. I don't know what you're talking about. You're going to need to help me with that. So with that, we decided to create a whole new resource, which we like to call our subject maps. And we like to think of these as our London underground map of mathematics, if you will. It's a large poster. And on this poster, is the entire subject of grade eight and nine mathematics mapped out as a flow diagram, showing every single concept as a sort of node. And when you scan one of those, a video of that concept will come up. So a lesson that you could expect in a classroom kind of environment. And as you can see, what we particularly like about it is the fact that it's all interconnected. And it shows how the subject progresses and grows over time. But what we really like about it is that means that you can also look at something, if you're struggling with it, you can then backtrack and find out where you will need to go back to and you can fill in the gaps as it were. Now this was our grade eight and nine resource which we uh, developed and funded ourselves and which is now for sale at a private capacity on our website and has also been sponsored for various learners and schools from low income areas that would otherwise not be able to afford this resource. But we have been very, very excited by a relatively recent development which has seen the next grades subject map, the grade 10 subject map sponsored by Swiss Re South Africa and thanks to this the grade 10 subject map for mathematics and for physical sciences due to its development being sponsored thanks to Swiss Re and via the actuarial Society Education trust as well as as a member donations these grade 10 versions of the mathematics and the physical sciences maps are entirely for free so it's the case where the We now have the case where thanks to ASA and Corporate South Africa, we have created the resource which can give any learner in South Africa the ability to gain access to a lesson in mathematics, any lesson they need in grade 10 mathematics or physical sciences at no cost whatsoever. And We are very much hoping that we can continue this trend and one day we would love to see a map stretch from grade 8 through to grade 12, all entirely for free, all available to South Africans. And I think you can imagine, though, that there is a particular obstacle that we do sometimes face in terms of accessibility to this resource. Many of you may know the first uh, innovation that we created in this way, uh, and that was these micro SD cards. Uh, I wasn't watching that video via data this morning. On my phone, I have one of these little micro SD cards in it, and it has quite a few thousand videos on it. And as a result, our app, which can normally stream via data, finds that SD card. It watches the video off the SD card in that way. So that means that we don't need internet or data to have to watch the videos as well. And thankfully, with the ever-increasing penetration of smart devices and affordable smart devices, um, we are thankfully seeing so many learners from all socioeconomic backgrounds have a device which then enables them to make use of this micro SD card. But a more recent development than that are our content hubs. This is the content access point by Mesa which emits its own Wi-Fi signal and it has the ability to store all 12,000 of our video lessons on it and beam it out via a Wi-Fi so you could put this inside of a school, you could put this in a classroom, in a library, in a public study setting, and learners will be able to connect to this guy and then enjoy our resources once again without needing any kind of internet connection or data, which we're very excited about. And with that said, I'm uh, very excited to also share with you just a tiny glimpse into some of the lives that, thanks to ASA and Corporate South Africa, we have been able to impact over the last number of years. Since 2015, our mission at Paper Video has been to create educational resources that provide all South Africans, irrespective of their circumstances, with easy access to quality teachers in maths and science. And now, in 2018, we are proud to announce that we have handed out our resources to more than 15,000 students at more than 100 schools located in low-income areas. And all of this has been made possible by the contributions of ASA members and Corporate South Africa. Here's just a tiny handful of the lives that have been impacted by your generosity.
0: It gives me the work and it explains the work to me when I don't understand. Paper Video is everything to me. It made me to be in this position that I am in. I never thought about studying a degree of mathematics, but now I am studying it. It's going to help me raise my marks like from the code 5 that I'm in straight to 7. It worked amazingly actually. I, I can't actually explain how it was, because it was that good. I would advise every student to make use of this resource because it really does help you a lot, especially when you're struggling with a specific topic in, in a subject. I'm looking forward to a distinction because of it. I don't think there's anything better than having your own teacher at home. I mean, who wouldn't want the teacher to ask the questions to? So I would
2: definitely recommend that people use it.
0: With Paper Video, we can get what we need and when we need, whatever time. In maths and science, uh, Paper Video helped me a lot. Uh, As a result, um, for physical sciences, I got uh, 100%. As a result of my achievements, a a lot of companies have approached me, like PPS, Old Mutual, uh, Musepe Foundation, and I think uh, everything is working out. Without this, I don't know how you would survive, like you need this in your life.
3: Without the Actuarial Society of South Africa, the Actuarial Society Education Trust and the generous donations by ASA members and Corporate South Africa, none of this would have been possible. So to all of those who have supported us and contributed over the years, we say thank you.
1: Thanks, Paul, for for that, and I think it's thanks to the the, um, generosity of many members of society here, as well as our employers and other corporations. Thank you for the contributions, and I really encourage you to keep them going because I think we would like to see this spreading right through the country and to
3: all disadvantaged schools. Thank you, everyone.
1: Thank you, Paul, and uh, the paper video team. I think uh, it's exciting. I, every time I see this, we, I just, I'm, I'm astounded at just the ability of this resource to make a difference. So let me turn to my presidential address. Good morning, colleagues, and welcome to the second day of our flagship event, the 2018 ASA Convention. Now, while practice area seminars provide the opportunity to focus on practice-specific matters, the convention provides us the opportunity to engage far wider. With a two year term of office as president, this year's convention gives me the opportunity in this presidential address to give an introspection and an assessment of progress that we have made in our strategic objectives. A state of the profession address if you would wish. But also to present a little bit of the vision and the issues that are foremost in my mind, as I look forward. Those of you who were at the convention in 2017 and paid attention to my presidential address at the time may recall that my description of the theme of relevance that I have set for my presidency with the image of the three-legged pot, the pot itself representing ASA, the contents, our professional promise, the three legs, the strands of relevance to the international actuarial community, to our members, and to the society we serve, and the fire itself the enabling strategic priorities. If we do not deliver on any of the strategic priorities or if any of one of the legs is missing, the product cannot be optimal. I feel that this picture gives me at least a visual representation against which I can test what we do as ASA. So how are we performing then? Let me start with the strategic priorities themselves and then look at how that flows into the other elements of the strategic picture, the legs and the content of the pot. Volunteerism is both a massive asset to ASA, but also a great risk, in that the extent of contribution by our members to the society is huge. And if this spirit of volunteerism were to decline, the ability to meet our goals will be severely restricted. The contribution of our members lies not only in the time and effort that they provide to the society, but also in the fact that the involvement of practitioners in our structures assists in helping ASA remain relevant in all of the three areas I have highlighted. So it is with deep appreciation to everyone involved in volunteering for ASA in any role that I acknowledge you and I thank you for your contribution. Turning to communication and research, and I have grouped these two together because research provides the material to enable us to demonstrate our value as both actuaries and as a profession, and to communication reflects the ability to make that visible to our stakeholders. At the start of the year, council concluded that research remained a challenge and that communication was not as effective as it should be. I think that a similar conclusion would be reached if we were to assess ourselves right now. I think that there is significant research that is actually happening in the profession, but much of that is not shared because of the intellectual property it represents and the consequential potential loss of real commercial value. The challenge for us as a profession is how we can get both this form of research, into a wider domain without losing the competitive edge that it may give our employers, and how we extend the more formal academic research topics and capabilities. This is an ongoing challenge that we face. And then once we have done the research, then the next question is, how do we disseminate that both to our internal audience as well as to our external stakeholders? On education, I am convinced that ASA has a world-class education system, and here I include both the academic and the normative aspects of the program. I believe that South African actuaries can hold their heads high in the international community and are well-regarded in the fields in which we work because of the quality of our education system. Our thanks in this space goes to all of those involved in the education pipeline, from the ASA Education Board the universities providing education in the pipeline, and the many, many volunteers who ensure that this is maintained. But sometimes I hear criticism of our education process and saying that it is too onerous. And in particular, I've heard comments that the normative elements and related workshops are way too much. Well, why it may be valid that it takes time out? I think that this is one of the key features that makes our program as South African actuaries well-rounded and effective actuaries. And I do not think that I'm alone in this view. But we must also note that the education syllabus cannot remain static, or else we will become irrelevant as a profession. In the same way as the education of the profession, when our current oldest living member of the society, Mr. Peter Bieber, qualified in 1951, was quite different to what it is today so too the syllabus of tomorrow will need to continually change to reflect the needs of our stakeholders over time. The education board have this clearly in their vision and will continue to maintain for the South African actuary a syllabus that is both relevant to the time and up to the standards that we expect of our profession. At the 2017 council strategy session, The key objective of ASA was articulated as delivering on the professional promise, transformed and relevant to South Africa, fulfilling stakeholder expectations, acting in the public interest and sustainable into the long term. So serving the public interest is therefore a key part of the vision and mission of ASA. And there is also seems to be a potential demand for our services in this space. The state president who is an honorary member of ASA, in his speech to the Sad P Gala dinner in 2017 when he was deputy president said, in a developing country such as ours, having accurate, reliable, and detailed insight about our possible futures is crucial to the achievement of our development goals. The skills you possess, talking to actuaries here, and the methods you employ enable us, the government, as partners in development to plan and manage our economic trajectory with a semblance of confidence and certainty. Your work is at the center of our financial ecosystem. It is critical to its performance, its sustainability, and ultimately its survival. It informs how we deploy our resources, how we manage risk, and how we prepare for a future. That's quite something for us to stand up and be counted for. So ASSA efforts to date have however not resulted in some of the desired outcomes and traction in this area that we would like. So after various debates at council, it was agreed that a more was needed to influence the public debate and to build relationship with targeted stakeholders. And we felt that this should be added as a strategic focus in 2018. As a result, it was agreed to make an appointment of an individual with a specific focus to seek to influence policy and policy and to conduct or source targeted research in the space. In tandem with this, the stakeholder board has been working on developing a potential approach to achieving the goal we have of influencing the influencers. I hope that after the council meeting in November, we will be able to make an announcement in this regard. But what the appointment process has highlighted for me is that there are some points that are worth noting. Firstly. I am astounded when I talk to members of the number of members that are working in the public sector or providing advice or communication or comment to public issues. And somehow we need to coordinate this and leverage off it to show that the profession can play a role without being seen as partisan to any specific viewpoints. Secondly, what is clear is that this is a specialist area with its own language and its own protocols. And as such, the first priority of the new appointee in this role, I believe, will be to establish a special interest force, task force, to progress our influence and to coordinate our efforts in this space. And thirdly, ASABA appears to have achieved some traction in this space, more so than we have as ASA ourselves. And we need to leverage off each other's work for the benefit of the profession as a whole. Let me turn now to transformation. And I know that some of you may well be tempted to switch off, go check your emails or otherwise, thinking, oh no, here he goes again. Well, you're right. Here he goes again. This is a topic that I will continue to beat the drum on because to me it is without doubt the most critical element for the development of a profession that is relevant to our South African society. The definition that ASA has established of what transformation means to us is transformation of the actual society and the actual profession is about fairness and inclusion. It is about every member of the society feeling welcomed, appreciated, and inspired to contribute. And it is also about fulfilling our professional promise by ensuring that the work that actuaries do is relevant to the diverse South African public whose interests we serve. Until we meet these objectives, I will continue to publicly and privately talk about it, because there is a role for every one of us to play, and especially a role for people who look like me, who have the power and the privilege in the society to open the spaces for open conversation in the area. Unfortunately, feedback from member surveys and comments that I have seen and heard in actual meetings from both ends of the spectrum, indicate that we have some way to go in this area. You may ask why I feel so strongly about it and continue to spread it forward. And it's because of the imperative, but also because of my own journey and continuing in an area that has been challenging, both, pr- uh, both has been both challenging and profoundly enriching. Through my own experiences, have I engaged with this? I am convinced that we as a profession need to engage with one another to learn to see the person beneath the societal stereotype, to develop an appreciation of others, a recognition of our own biases, and to build a level of relationship that allows us to hold one another accountable to this goal. So you will have noticed when I put this slide up, I put it up to give you a chance to read it. This is my challenge to each one of you, is to have or each one of us indeed, is to have a, ch- have a meaningful engagement with someone you have not met before at this convention, ideally with someone who is quite different to yourself. i found that such intentional engagements widen our horizons and help us develop the culture of inclusion that we are seeking to develop in the profession. Enough of my personal reflections though on how ASA is performing in this space, let's look at that. I think that we are making some progress, but there is a way to go. And as I have become and spoken with members, I have become aware that many of our members are unaware of what ASSA is doing in this space. So here are a few examples. We have transformation dialogue opportunities that we've been providing various forums to enable members to engage with one another on the subject of transformation and inclusion, the sessions at this convention as well and I encourage you to get involved in those and attend them. The ASA Academy established in 2015 with an intended focus to provide additional support in identified areas where students, especially previously disadvantaged students, were struggling. The Academy has improved the progress of students in these areas, but here's the problem. People in the society, even the intended beneficiaries of the program, seem to not know about its existence, or choose not to participate. The opportunity is there, let's use it. And then lastly, let me talk about the Transformation Committee, which reports directly to council, is chaired by the president-elect, and is responsible for providing direction to council in respect to transformation. Its primary role is coordination of of, of our efforts in the space and to make sure that our limited resources are well utilized. Significant partners in transformation such as SADP and ASABA are represented in the committee to to make sure that we don't duplicate effort where possible. The committee has for some time been considering how we define what is good and how we set targets in the area of transformation. And in 2018, the committee presented to Council a proposed transformation target. Now, this has not been approved by Council as yet, and Council asked the Transformation Committee to put more flesh on the bones of the proposal, and in particular to identify some of the actions that we should be taking as a society to reach the target. Nonetheless, I'm still going to mention what it is to give members a flavor of the type of thing that we're looking at and the direction of thinking. Some of the elements may yet change. The target that has been proposed for consideration is that the demographic profile of those qualifying as associate members would reflect the national demographic profile by some future date. Now that's an interesting thing that still needs to be worked out exactly what the date is. The proposed date at the moment is 10 years time, 2028. And that the fellow profile qualifying after that is five years after that should also reflect the national profile. Note that this is about reaching the milestone and not about the profile of the profession. That will take much, much longer to change. If this is accepted, it will undoubtedly be a stretch target or a BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal, given that we are only able to influence a portion of the journey and are dependent on a relatively weak educational system for the majority of our population. However, this should not deter us from doing all that we can to try and achieve this goal. And so as the next step in the process, Council has asked the the Transformation Committee, as I have mentioned, to consider and propose actions for us to take towards this goal. So having considered the six elements of the strategic elements, the three legs, let me consider them briefly. Relevance to the international community, relevance to our members, and relevance to the society we serve. I don't have time now, particularly as we're already running over time, to go into any detail at all, but I believe that we are making progress in these areas, but as we continue to work on the strategic priorities, we will make more progress, especially in the area of transformation and the public service. But is it now the content of the professional promise that I wish to turn? Our code of professional conduct states under the heading the professional promise that members are expected to render quality service to their clients through the application of up-to-date actuarial knowledge and expertise, the demonstration of ethical behavior, especially when doing actuarial work, and the members' accountability to the society for professional oversight. The code itself provides more detail on what this means, and if you've not read it recently, it would be worth having a fresh look at it In fact, maybe you should make it an annual part of your CPD program. It's also worth looking at SAP 901 guidance note, which is a compulsory guidance note for us all to follow and refresh that every now and then. But it is critical to us as a profession that we evolve to continue to meet these these, uh, principles while society changes directly the opposite, sorry, if we'd failed to do so, that would re- render us irrelevant, directly the opposite of what my presidential theme intends. At a recent new, que- new Fellows Professionalism course, we considered the challenges facing the profession, and one contribution was to maintain the current brand of actuary, especially in the light of the potential loss of our jobs to other dis- disciplines, such as data scientists, and even to machines. I think that this is a really important matter for us to consider, or life could easily pass us by. Here, let me quote Marjorie Nguena, immediate past president of the IFOA, when she was president of the IFA. She says, expectations around what it is to be professional is constantly evolving. While some aspects of judgment and ethics can be automated, there will always be moral issues and decisions that we would be uncomfortable handing over to machines. Human expertise cannot be so easily replaced. The challenge ahead for us will be to change our focus from one that is less concerned with the analysis of data and more focused on the insights to be gained from that data. This is what will differentiate us and give our role value and meaning. Similarly, Mike Lombardi, president of the Society of Actuaries, says the challenge that we face is an existential one. Will we as a profession dwindle in numbers and importance, or will we succeed in renewing our skill sets and our unique capabilities rapidly enough and in harmony with emerging technology in order to preserve and expand the role and value of the actuary? Complacency is not an option. This is a challenge, as you can see, that is not unique to us here in South Africa, nor is it one that is the responsibility of the leaders of the profession, it is the responsibility of each one of us. This generation of professional actuaries today has, in my view, a moral responsibility to pass on to the generation of actuaries of tomorrow, a vibrant, growing profession, and I challenge you to do your part. In doing so, I want to draw out two key points from the definition of professional promise that I am thinking about quite often. We are expected to render quality service and demonstrate ethical behavior. There appears to be a general decline in the society of the levels of trust. The Edelman Trust Barometer Survey of 2017 indicated a drop in trust across the institutions of business, media, government, and NGOs. And the 2018 survey indicated much the same. While professional services exhibit a higher level of trust than most sectors in the survey, trust remains a fragile commodity. It is therefore incumbent on all of us to ensure that the work we do is quality and ethical. This has become an area of key key focus for me in terms of how we as a profession can ensure that proactively we consider this. In this country, we are all too well aware of the challenges that other professions are facing and experiencing today. And I would hate to see us having to face the same challenges. So how do we as a profession proactively prevent the headlines that challenge the integrity of actuaries and of ASA itself? The IFOA have instituted a quality assurance program that assesses the processes for ensuring quality of actuarial professional firms that the actuarial professional firms have implemented. I think that this is a good initiative, but the outcome is only as good as the application of the process. And that process and that application is dependent on people. I am therefore concluding in my own mind that the delivery of quality and ethical work can only really be achieved if we all have a commitment as individual professional actuaries to do so, and for all of us to be accountable to each other for this outcome. In conclusion, then, let me remind you of the two main challenges that I have set for us to consider and act on. Make the effort here at convention to have at least one meaningful engagement with someone we have not met before, and ideally with someone who is quite different to ourselves. If each one of us were to make such a connection, I believe that we would take a great stride in our transformation initiatives in assa And it would certainly contribute to every member of the society feeling welcomed, appreciated, and inspired to succeed and contribute. And secondly, and as important, be constantly vigilant in all that we do. To ensure that we meet our professional promise to render quality services through specialist and up-to-date actuarial knowledge and expertise and to continually demonstrate ethical behavior. Thank you.